Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. So glad to see you all today. Can you help me welcome those who are watching online? Let's also welcome our other locations today. Come on, let's go. We do have other locations. We're one church in multiple locations. And I know some of you, maybe you're new or you've been here for a little bit and you're thinking, you know what? The black church, they got a lot of bald white boys in that church, you know? And I'm one of them, but I promise you, we've got plenty of diversity in this church, which we love, which we love. But uh, today I get to, uh, to stand in and, and kind of be the closer out of the bullpen for our POV series. How many of you enjoyed that? POV stands for point of view. We've been looking at the words of Jesus, and to be quite honest with you, you know, his perspective matters more than anyone else's perspective. In our lives, we need to know what Jesus thinks, what Jesus has said, because we know that that is the truth. But today also is a very special day because it's Palm Sunday. How many of you knew that? All right? This is this was a great Sunday to be in church, and uh, it, it, I'm really privileged to be able to set the table for next Sunday, which is Easter. Do not miss church next Sunday. Make sure you're bringing people uh, with you. This is known today as the start of Holy Week, the start of Passion Week. It's the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem, and he was on mission. Now, some of you may be new to faith or new to the Bible. Let me just kind of explain a couple things that might be helpful to you because I want you, if you have a Bible, great. If you have a phone, there are things called Bible apps. It'd be great to download that so you can follow along today. But the words will be up on the screen as well. But the Bible is an amazing book and it's not just any book. It's, it's really, we believe the word of God. 40 different authors over, over centuries wrote the different books uh, of the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. The Old Testament, every book, every chapter points towards a coming Savior or Messiah who we know is Jesus. And the New Testament starts with uh, what are known as the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And these four men had a chance to walk with Jesus, see how he ministered, um, and, and were a part of his ministry. And they all have different perspectives on the life of Jesus, but they all have the same theme of, of what happened, but just maybe some of the details they, they fill in. Now, Mark is going to be our chapter today that we're going to look at. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10 in just a moment. Mark is kind of like the, uh, the abridged version. His, his is the shortest um, of the gospels, but it's packed with some incredible truth. So I'm going to use Mark as our starting point, bring in some uh, things from Matthew, Luke, and John as well. But before we get into God's word, I want us to just spend just a short time in prayer. I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. I'm going to lead you in what I'm going to call a guided prayer. I want you to pray in your spirit today to the Holy Spirit of God. And the first thing I want you to pray for is I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray that what comes out of my mouth would be the very words of God, not, not Scott. That God would fill me with his Holy Spirit and use me as an instrument to minister to you today. And now I also want you to pray for the people sitting next to you. 
It may be somebody that brought you or it may be somebody you brought or it may be somebody you don't even know on one side or the other. But I want you to pray for them that God would speak to them, that their hearts and minds and lives would be open to what God wants to say to them. And now I want you to pray for yourselves. I want you to pray that um, your heart would be opened to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you today, that you would leave here today, not the same as you came, but inspired and filled with passion to live your life for Jesus. So God, may you do what you do best. May your Holy Spirit, may he do, Holy Spirit, may you do what you do best. And that is to turn on light bulbs. May I see some things. May we see things that we have not seen before. And may we respond, God, in faith, believing that you love us, you created us, and you have an amazing plan for each of our lives. We all have a part to play, God, in your kingdom. May we see that very clearly today. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Palm Sunday, Jesus is coming in to the city of Jerusalem on mission. And POV, the words of Jesus, I'm gonna take verse two in Mark chapter 11. It says, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you're going to find a donkey tied there, which no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it to me. Today, uh, in this particular message, I'm going to focus on the donkey. On the donkey. The title of my message is A Donkey for Jesus. And at the end of this message, I'm going to challenge each one of us to answer this question. Am I willing to be a donkey for Jesus? You may not know where in the world that's going, but I'm gonna explain it in just a little bit. But this is the message God gave for me here today. Now, when I was growing up, uh, I was so into sports. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Is there anybody else as old as I am in here? I don't know. 70s and 80s, I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, and um, I loved sports. I was all about sports. I was all about playing sports. I was all about watching sports. And one of the sports I actually came to really appreciate was boxing. And, uh, and so my generation would remember a name like Sugar Ray, you know, versus Roberto Duran. That was one of the best fights I think I've ever seen. Uh, some of you may remember the name uh, George Foreman. All right, and he wasn't just about making those little grill things. Some of you ladies are like, oh yeah, he's the guy that made the grills. I'm making some burgers with that. No, 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 he, he was a boxer. He was a boxer. And uh, some of you, of course, know from the great city of Philadelphia, Joe Frazier, all right? But I gotta tell you, my favorite boxer of all time was this man. Who are we talking about? All right, we do know some people that know this man. Muhammad Ali was always my favorite. Come on, you gotta help me finish this. He used to say, float like a butterfly and sting like a, like a bee. He used to say, I am the greatest. Man had some personality, man. He wasn't just a boxer. He, man, he was just bigger than life and uh, just, Loved him so much. But you know what? He had a, a quote that I just think was so powerful. And some of you maybe never heard this quote from the great Muhammad Ali. He said, I hated every minute of training. But I said, don't quit. 
Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Man, what an amazing word. And I kind of wonder as Jesus was coming into the city of Jerusalem on that original Palm Sunday, whether he was thinking, I'm coming to suffer now. But in the end, God is gonna highly exalt me. So Jesus came on mission. And I want us to look at Mark chapter 11. Let's look at verse one as we see the story play out. It says, as they, meaning the disciples and Jesus approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Just a couple things. Bethphage is, uh, literally means house of figs. Uh, they were known for having amazing figs. I don't know how many of you eat figs, but you know, they're actually not bad. Uh, and then Bethany, an interesting meaning behind the term Bethany. It means house of sorrows. Man, how many of you like to live in a town called the House of Sorrows, right? Doesn't sound too uplifting. But that's actually where Jesus stayed many times when he came to Jerusalem. The House of Sorrows. And it was kind of apropos because Jerusalem would be a place of sorrow for Jesus ultimately as he would hang on a Roman cross. And it says that he went to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives. Twice in my life, I've had the privilege of being there on the Mount of Olives. And what's so cool about the Mount of Olives and a lot of things happen biblically there was that you get this amazing view of Jerusalem. And Jesus was there on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. By the way, when Jesus returns, it says his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. On the Mount of Olives is the, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed before submitting himself to his father's will and going into Jerusalem to be crucified. The Mount of Olives, a very important place. In fact, Luke's gospel says that Jesus on the Mount of Olives wept over the city, wept. Now, a little context about what he was walking into, that city of Jerusalem was teeming with people that week. It was kind of be like if the Olympics came to Philadelphia, you know, Millions of people coming into the city. And that was what was happening that week. It was Passover week. It was the holiest week of the year for the Jews. And people from all over the world, Jewish people would come to Jerusalem for Holy Week. They'd make it a pilgrimage. And so there were three times the normal amount of people packed into this city. Over 2 million people were believed to be there that week that Jesus was coming. Josephus, one of the historians said 10 times the amount normal amount of Roman soldiers. With that many people, and it was under Roman occupation, they wanted to make sure that there was plenty of people to keep the peace, plenty of soldiers to take care of business if need be. But think about this, God chose this week, no accident. While the soldiers are watching, while the people are bustling, and while the city is bursting at the seams, to accomplish the greatest act of love and sacrifice in all of human history. My friends, this week changed everything. And have you learned in your life that God's timing is always perfect? I hope you have, or I hope you're still learning that. God's timing is not always our timing, but I'll tell you what, when Jesus was coming into the city, it was the perfect 
time for Jesus to accomplish everything God called him to do. Now, the Jews who were in the city, many of them who had uh, heard about Jesus, many of them who were there for his miracles began to, to realize there's something special about this man. And he started to begin to draw huge crowds of people. And he taught on a mountain and, and he fed thousands, you know, from just a, a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. And people began to think, is this really the one? Is he really the Messiah? Is he the one that we've read about throughout our childhood and the prophecies about this coming king who would save us? But they were looking for a military leader. They were looking for a political leader to overthrow the Romans. They were not looking for Jesus to come for the reason he was coming this time. And that is he was coming for one main reason, to be the Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. He was coming, as, as Mark 10 says, as, in his own words, I've come to be a ransom for many. So look at verse two, and we read this already, but it says, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you're going to find a what? A donkey tie there, which no one has ever ridden. And you've got to ask the question, if you know the context, Jesus coming as a king, why a donkey? Because a donkey didn't represent a king coming in power. A donkey represented in that culture peace and humility. And so this was a little bit odd that Jesus was coming in on a donkey. To the Roman soldiers, this would have looked really ridiculous. This, this king of the Jews riding on a donkey. You see, a true king would have been riding on a stallion with hundreds of soldiers coming behind him. But Jesus came riding on a donkey? Really? With, with 12 very questionable men walking behind him, half of them smelling like fish. But my friends, Jesus always knew, always knew throughout his life, he needed to fulfill every prophecy about him from the Old Testament. And, and, and understand that him riding on a donkey, not a stallion, was fulfilling a very important prophecy about him. Let me show it to you. Back in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. This was written hundreds of years before this moment in Jesus' life. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous, victorious, lowly, and riding on a what? On a donkey. I don't know if you've ever questioned, is, is, is Jesus really like all that? Is Jesus really, you know, the son of God? The one and only savior, that Messiah? Is, is he really the one that I need to submit to and give my heart to and my life to? Is he really the one? My friends, Jesus didn't just fulfill that one prophecy about him riding on a donkey. He fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies. And I started to research that just a little bit. And if just eight of those 300 plus prophecies came true, in betting terms, it would be called a parlay. You'd, you'd, you'd earn a lot of money if you got eight things right on a parlay. And the chances of that being fulfilled, let me show you the number, is one in 
I don't even know how to say this number, right? Pastor Grace helped me. She said, oh, it's God. It's actually 10, 10 to the 17th power, whatever that means, all right? And um, yeah, in fact, she gave me another illustration. She said, uh, she sent me this little article that said, it would be like the state of Texas, which by the way, is a pretty good piece of real estate. Um, taking the state of Texas and, and, and filling the whole state with half silver dollars, right? The whole state, several feet up, the whole state. And you marked one of them and, and then took somebody and put them in the middle of the state and said, go find the one that's marked. You'll never find it. In, in millions of years, you would never find it. That's how infinitesimal Jesus fulfilling all of these prophecies. So if you've ever questioned, is he really the one? My friends, there's no question. He's really, I promise you, the one that God sent his one and only son. Let's look at the next verse. It says, Jesus speaking again, untie it, that donkey, and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here shortly. And as I was studying this and just kind of reading this, it just, these few words like settled in my mind, the Lord needs it. And I'm like, really? Like Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the universe, creator of everything that is on this, this earth needs something, really? And then I thought about it further. And you know what? Jesus came into this world as a stranger, as a visitor from heaven. Think about this. Everything that Jesus had on this earth when he lived was borrowed, was borrowed. He borrowed a manger and a stable to be born in. He borrowed a boat to preach from. He borrowed water that he turned into wine, houses that he stayed at, loaves and fish that he multiplied to feed thousands. And now he's borrowing a donkey to ride into Jerusalem, later an upper room to celebrate Passover. Then he would borrow a cross to die on and a grave to be buried in. Everything Jesus had was borrowed. Now, by the way, he wouldn't need that grave for very long, amen? And next week we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. But it reminds me, that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of heaven came as a humble baby and humbly lived through his life, owning nothing. First, uh, Second Corinthians 8, 9 says, he, Jesus, who was rich for our sakes became poor, was willing to come humbly. And what's amazing, the Lord needs it is that he chooses a place a position where he would need to partner. And this is the takeaway for us in that passage, to partner with us. You see, we're in the church age and God has a plan to reach more people for his kingdom, more people for Christ. And he actually gives us as individuals the privilege of being a part of that, a privilege of partnering with him to reach the lost. That's why, you know, these things are so important that we take these and hand them out and invite people to Easter next week. We have a chance to partner with God and seeing lives change forever. We have the privilege of partnering with God to feed the poor, serve Saturdays, discipling the old, the young, and everyone in between, discipling marriages and families and single adults. This is why around here we say all the time, we get to do this and it's gonna take all of us. 
Oh, and by the way, don't, don't miss it. Jesus said in that passage, oh, take the donkey, but tell them the Lord is gonna send it back shortly. In other words, when we choose to serve God with our lives, whether it's our time, our money, our abilities, our energy, God gives it back to us with interest. When we partner with him on what he's doing on this earth, my friends, you will not be sorry. This is where you say yes and amen. All right, just making sure you're still with me. Next verse says, they went, his disciples, and they found the colt or donkey outside in the street, just like Jesus said, tied at the doorway. And as they untied it, some people were standing there and they asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. Now, I gotta tell you, if I was one of those two disciples, you know, going kind of sneaking in and, and it, to me, it, was, it would feel like I'm stealing this animal, right? And um, it would have been a little unsettling. I mean, imagine going up to somebody at Wawa. Okay, and if you're not from Philadelphia, you're watching online, you don't know what a Wawa is, let me just tell you. Let me just take a minute. You know, it is one of the greatest creations that have ever come out of Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, a Wawa is like a convenience store on steroids. It has everything you can possibly think of, and most of them even have gas. But imagine walking up to a Wawa where somebody's, you know, getting their gas, filling up, and you just say, listen, yo, bro, I need, I need the keys to your car. That may be your last trip to Wawa. <laughs> Maybe it be your last time moment in Philadelphia. It would not go over well, especially in Philadelphia. Even if you said, oh, well, Jesus needs it. Nah, nah, bro. <laughs> the same thing today, though. When you choose to follow Jesus, it's not gonna make sense to some people. And they are gonna question you, right? They don't understand. Some, some people, when you choose to really follow Jesus in your life, they're gonna say, yo, what, you're, you're giving up like half your day on Saturday to serve with your church? Really? It's your weekend, man. What are you doing? Like you, we, we got to see, you know, Sakatha's story, you know, about, about giving. What? You're going to give that much money to a, a church? Of course, we know like, you know, we're giving to God and we're, the vehicle we're using is God's church, right? But are you crazy? You worked hard for that money. You're going to get questions if you're committed to Christ. Why? You're, you're engaged, but you're like, you're, you're going to stay pure? Who does that? Even worse, like, you're going to become what? A minister or a missionary? What is that all about? My friends, if no one is asking you questions about why you're doing what you do or why you're not doing what everyone else is doing, my friends, I question how much you are really committed to living your life for Jesus. Sorry, it's the truth. If there's no difference in your life, then what's the point? So next verse, when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their, their cloaks, their, their outer garment, right? Their, part of their clothing over it. He sat on it. And many people spread their, their cloaks on the road while others were spreading branches that they had cut in the fields. Now, 
the Gospel of John focuses a lot more on those palm branches that are a part of what we call Palm Sunday. It, it was a sign of royalty is coming. We honor with the palms. And, and then throwing your clothes in the road, right? What is that all about? It's kind of like rolling out the red carpet for someone of importance. It was a sign of honor. Oh, and by the way, clothes in that uh, culture were extremely valuable. Most people only had maybe two at the most three sets of clothes. You know, so look at your closet sometime, right? And uh, compare. It's a different culture, a different time, but that, that meant something really significant. And I'm throwing my coat down on, I'm laying it down. And a donkey's about to, and people are about to walk all over it on that muddy path. But that's what they did. And here comes Jesus and his crew, entering Jerusalem like a king, but in so many ways, not like a king. Matthew's gospel says when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on that day, the city was moved, moved. And, and the Greek word, uh, the original language, it's the word seo, which means seismic. And what do we use the word seismic to measure? earthquakes. In other words, Jesus, when he came in on that Palm Sunday, it was like an earthquake. It, it's, Jerusalem was shaken. How many of you enjoyed the weather last night? <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, Lord, are you coming? What, what is going on here? I mean, I was just out, you know, I, hadn't, I had no shirt on yesterday afternoon. <laughs> I was out just like soaking in some sun, burning some stuff in, in, in my little fire pit. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> what is going on, Lord? I mean, the, the hail was coming down. My phone is going off. Tornado warning. Get into the basement. And my friends, when Jesus came into the city, it was like the alarm went off. The city shook. Not, not physically, but emotionally and spiritually, it was a seismic event. My friends, Jesus wants to move you, your life today. He wants to shake you so that you can see things from his point of view. You see, Jesus now wasn't obscure anymore. The first part of Jesus' ministry, the first several years, I mean, he would heal people, he would minister, but he would always say, no, no don't tell anyone. My time has not yet come. He's kind of like undercover. He knew that, you know, when he, when people started to realize what he was saying, like he's, truly the Messiah, the son of God, that not all were gonna accept him. And there was an appointed time when he was supposed to come into Jerusalem and it wasn't before his time. But now all bets are off. Now on this Palm Sunday, he's saying, it's, it's not time for me to be obscure anymore. Now I'm coming public. And now they're either, gonna, they're either gonna make me king or they're gonna reject me and crucify me. And my friends, Jesus knew which way it was gonna go. My friends, Jesus knew how it needed to go for you and for me. Next verse says, those who went ahead and those who shouted, or who followed, shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest. Yet another prophecy, the Messiah had to be a son of David. Guess 
where Jesus' bloodline came from? King David. And another fulfillment of prophecy is them shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Write down Psalm 118, 25 and 26. That's a quote from the Old Testament hundreds of years before Jesus came. And the scriptures teach that they would, they would shout, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna literally means save now. Save now. And you see, the Jews were looking for Jesus to save them now. They, they were speaking the right words with the wrong perspective. They were saying, Jesus, save us now from the Romans. They weren't saying, Jesus, save us now from our sins from ourselves, from our selfishness, from our pride. They're saying, Jesus, lead us militarily. Overthrow this Roman government that we've been in bondage to. Free us economically. Save now. But once they realized, friends, that this was not what Jesus was coming to do, just a few days later, the shouts would turn. From Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save now to crucify him. Crucify him. How in the world could they turn so quick? But think about this. Doesn't the same thing happen today? Sometimes we view Jesus like some sort of good luck charm. When things don't go our way though, we don't see God answer our prayers, how we think they should be answered or when we think they should be answered, we're out. God save me financially, save now. Save now, Lord, with the healing that I need in my body or the, the loved one that is struggling medically. God save now. Save me from my bad marriage. Save me, God, from a, my job that seems pointless and endless. It makes no sense and I have no joy in it. But we get disappointed when God doesn't answer our prayers when and how we want. And we're tempted to walk away from God. And some of you have different points in your life, maybe right now. And we bail even on the Son of God. My friends, did you ever hear someone say, when it comes to Christianity, oh, I tried that. I tried that and it didn't work. I submit to you this morning, today, that God is not interested in being your vending machine in the sky. I'm sorry. It's not like, well, let's just give God a little token and come on, Lord, I need something from you. That's not how it works. God wants us to know him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to obey him. And we may not always get what we want, but my friends, we know that God will supply our needs according to his riches and glory. I am so thankful that God has not always given me what I want. Are you? Because sometimes what we want is not what we need. And he doesn't promise to give us everything we want, but he does promise he'll take care of our needs. So let's go back to that 
verse again, one more time, verse two, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a donkey, a donkey. And while I was studying for this message, it was like God said to me, Scott, are you willing to be a donkey for my son, Jesus? It was like Jesus was saying, are you willing to be a donkey for me? Are you willing to be called a fool by others because they don't understand? Will you come and truly follow me? And I wanna encourage you today, even if you have believed in Jesus at some point in your life and you've received him as your savior, will you be a donkey for Jesus? There's six ways that this could play out in our lives. Number one, think about this. The donkey had to be set free. Remember, Jesus said, go, and you're gonna find a donkey tied up. Untie it, set it free. My friends, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are set free from our sinfulness and, and from our selfishness and from our pride. And some of you know you need that today in your life. Some of you know that you're not free. But this is why Jesus came. Second thing is that donkey had to be set apart. Think about this, no one had ever ridden on that donkey before Jesus. It was set apart, it was reserved for the King of Kings for one purpose, to serve the King. And we too, believers, if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, must be set apart, which means we must be different and reserved for the king. Thirdly, that donkey was surrendered. It had to be given up. Those owners had to say, oh, okay, take it. And my friends, when, when we were saved, when we put our faith in Jesus, those of you who have, the kingdom of darkness under Jesus' command had to release you and your soul. Thank God. But we also, in a sense, have to surrender ourselves. And that's not just a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. We have to surrender our lives, our futures, our concerns, our failures, everything we need to surrender at the feet of Jesus. So my question to you is, are you holding anything back from him today? The donkey was also saddled for a king. When I put my faith in Jesus, God's word said that he indwelt me with his Holy Spirit, that Jesus fills me. He is now in charge of my life. He is my leader. And the donkey, by the way, was under Jesus, who was on top. You see, Jesus was in charge. And the scriptures say that you need to believe or put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is from the, the, the Hebrew word Yeshua or Savior. Christ is a, means anointed one or holy one of God. But Lord means master and commander and leader of my life. Some of you are like me and you accepted Christ as your savior when you were really young. Could I see hands of people that accepted Christ? I grew up in a pastor's home, man. I heard the gospel early and often. And I just remember, you know, first of all, I was scared to death. Like, you know, this whole hell thing freaked me out. And I was like, yeah, Jesus, you know, I don't wanna go there, so I wanna go up. I don't wanna go down, so I need Jesus. And he died for me. And 
I received him as my savior. It's kind of like fire insurance. But just about everybody I've talked to who accepted Christ at a younger age had another point in their life, had another moment in their life where they began to realize, I, 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 just, I just don't need Jesus as my savior, and I do, but I need him to be the Lord Jesus Christ, master and commander. And when I was 19 years old, I'll never forget how God's spirit moved in my heart and said, son, you have not given me the keys to every room in your life. It's time. It's time to give it up, to follow me fully with your life. And so understand when you do that, Jesus is on the donkey, right? And he, he, he tries to turn the donkey wherever he wants to, us to go. And sometimes we pull like, no, no, Lord, I, I wanna go this way. And he says, no, 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 that, that's not the way for you. Trust me. We're going, we're going this way. And some of you have been, you've been fighting God. You've been fighting Jesus. You know, like I have a plan for my life, Lord. And I'm afraid if, you know, if I, if I give you the reins of my life, if you're gonna be Lord of my life, I'm not sure where this is going. Will you trust him? Some of you need to make that decision today as well. The other thing about the donkey is that it was used to bring Jesus to a place of sacrifice. That donkey was carrying Jesus into Jerusalem for one main reason, and that was to die on a Roman cross. And guess what? Your sins and my sins carried Jesus to that cross. My friends, the cross is the true picture of greatness. Sorry, Muhammad Ali, you might've been the greatest fighter, but Jesus is the greatest person ever to walk and live on this earth. He's the one that deserves our praise, our admiration. He deserves our honor. He deserves our very lives. So I challenge you this week in this concept to go watch or rewatch before Good Friday and Easter, The Passion of the Christ. Do you remember that movie that came out? And it's a brutal, a brutal film because it shows what Christ went through for us. We gotta remember it was our sin that put him through that. And finally, that donkey was used to bring Jesus to a place of praise. And my friends, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we hand over every key, our, now, our lives can truly be a place of praise and blessing for him. Our lives can bring praise to his name if we follow him with all of our heart. And so I wanna close with just focusing on one other thing before I invite you into that relationship with him. Jesus said, right before Mark 11 and, and Mark 10, he said, I came to give my life a ransom for many. A ransom, what is a ransom? A ransom is a payment to set someone free. It means somebody's been kidnapped, right? And the kidnappers have said, you know, you need to come up with this amount of money or this person's not going free. Whether you realize it or not, but when we're born into this world, we're not born into this world as, as automatic children of God, you know? We're, we're born in a, in a kingdom of darkness that has a control over us. But thank God when Jesus saved us, he paid that ransom so that we could be set free. But notice this, he says, I came to be a ransom for many. He didn't say I came to be a ransom for all. 
Though his death on the cross was enough to cover every sin, past, present, and future for every person that has breathed the breath in this world. But not all would choose him. Not all would receive him. Not all would accept him. That's why it says he came to be a ransom. For many, you have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. I was kidnapped by the powers of darkness, bondage and prison spiritually to sin, selfishness, to my addictions, to my bad choices, to my helplessness and hopelessness. But Jesus gives us all an opportunity today to be set free. And so I wanna give you an invitation, an opportunity to respond today because some of you are sensing the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? You need to do something with this message today. But I'm not gonna ask you all to stand like we normally do. I wanna do something a little different. I'm gonna take a shot at this and the Holy Spirit led me to, to try this. And I want you to stay seated and I want every head up and every eye looking around. Because you know what, you might say, well, isn't like this supposed to be a private thing between making a decision for Jesus? Yeah, in a very real sense it is. But you know what? Jesus didn't die privately. Jesus died publicly on a Roman cross. He died on a hill called Golgotha, Calvary, with all people watching him. Humbly, he died for us. So what do you have to be ashamed of? If I ask you to stand and say, you know what? I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. Let me just tell you right now, he was bold enough to die in public. You need to be bold enough to say, I need him and what he did on that cross for me. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. There's two parts to this invitation though. One is for some of you who've been here or you're here now and, and you know that you've never given your heart and life to Jesus. You've never received his death on the cross as the payment for your sin. And you need to, to know that you need to make a decision about him today. Not tomorrow, don't wait till tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. But I'm also gonna give a second invitation for those of you who've already put your faith in Jesus because you know what? Some of you haven't handed over all those keys. Some of you haven't really been the donkey for Jesus that you know you need to be. So let me also say this, for those of you who are gonna stand or you're sensing the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, you gotta do something here. You gotta do something here. Majority of people in this room who've already put their faith in Jesus are not gonna be like, oh my goodness, can't believe it. No, every majority are gonna be so excited for you and so encouraged by you that God is working in your life through the Holy Spirit to lead you to him. So don't be ashamed. So I'm gonna ask right now, if you wanna give your heart and life to Jesus as your savior, would you stand? Would you stand? Thank you. 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 Amen. Amen. Now stay standing. Stay standing in every location, online. I want you to stay standing, those of you that stood. But now the second part of the invitation, believer, Christian, come on. Are you walking with Jesus?
you know that you need to get more serious about your relationship with him and truly following him. Remember I said, if no one's asking questions about the way you're living, because you're just like everyone else. You talk just like everyone else. You're just doing what everyone else is doing. And you say, you know what? It's time for me to stand up. It's time for me to truly follow Jesus in every part of my life. Today, I wanna give him the keys to my heart. Today, I want him to be the Lord Jesus of my life. Would you stand and join those who are already standing? Come on, believer, stand up, let's go. Amen, 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 amen. Come on. I'll tell you what, this Good Friday, this Easter is gonna be the most significant one for you standing right now because it's gonna mean so much more. Now, can I have everyone else stand with this group? As I lead us in this prayer, would you repeat after me? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. Thank you that you were on mission. And God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. And God, right now, I wanna receive you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my King. God, may I walk in obedience to you. God, may I be a donkey for you. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, come on. Come on, let's celebrate all the people that have come to faith in Jesus today. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.